This episode of the Quick Pop Podcast is fueled by Balls Garana Soda. Balls Garana is a highly caffeinated premium soda that is infused with the natural Garana berry for an incredible taste and a super caffeinated kick. Balls has fueled the days and nights of gamers and wrestling fans alike for over 25 years. Balls Garana is available in seven amazing flavors, including Balls Original Soda, Cherry, Root Beer, Orange, Ginger Ale, Cherry Cola, and Balls Zero Sugar. Flavors are offered in the iconic 10-ounce Bumpy Bottle or the sleek 16-ounce can. For a limited time, Balls will offer listeners free shipping on your next order when you purchase at www.balls.com. Use code QUICKPOP at checkout to receive free shipping on your order. Another week, another episode, another joining of the two minds to discuss all things wrestling-related. In this episode, we go over AEW's quarterly pay-per-view, AEW Revolution, and discuss all the highs and eh, pretty much all highs in the episode. We will also be apologizing for last week's episode, but we'll get into it. This is the Quick Pop Podcast. Hello, everybody. It is I, once again, Ace of Spades card with the Quick Pop Podcast coming at you every Wednesday-ish to talk about all things that happened the previous week in wrestling. I am, once again, joined by my illustrious co-host, DJ Jazzy Jake. How are you doing today, Jake? That's me. I'm doing good. It is you. I'm doing good. Um... Jake, we have a special episode, once again, where... uh, the person not joining us gets to be the butt end of all our jokes because not only is he not here, he's, he he got the title again. See, why'd you have to ruin the episode? We were having a nice, because we were it, it a nice time. Be, it was just two of us, which look, is the way I like it. Um, look, he would have brought I, it up like anyway next week. <sighs> it, it's better we get out in, ahead of it. I mean, the luckiest man alive. That's all I have to say. I'm telling he I'm, look, I'm it's not good at what I blame he Wardlow. Does. He just has dumb luck. I blame Wardlow. I too. You know what I, <clears throat> I know, Ace, <clears throat> well, we'll talk about this later. I know you didn't fully watch the pay-per-view. You know what I blame? I blame Wardlow's blame? stupid new tights. Wardlow <laughs> Well I want I want Hobbs to beat Wardlow so his title reign can be shorter than his trunks because Wardlow needs to go back to the onesie with shorts because the Speedo onesie ain't doing it, bro. Like, listen, I'm fine with wrestlers wearing Speedos. That's cool. His his ass was hanging out. He was playing peekaboo with the camera. I mean. He was. He saw the memo that they sent out and was like, bet. I mean, if anyone. He saw, he saw that memo about, they put about, out. About some, the some, guns some sent peaches, out. Some cakes. Wardlow, I don't know if he's got them, but he's showing them off. I, I, I'm convinced. You know, do you see that uh, that memo that the guns put out to all of AEW? <laughs> so what you're saying is the guns asked uh, no one to call them ass boys, and then Wardlow's like, "Good." And so he was like, mine. "Bet I'm the ass Bet. man I'm now." <laughs> but uh, he goes up to Billy, 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 who's the ass man now? It's me. Look at this. Oh, but um, I will say this. As much as I hate that he won, I have to give credit where credit is due. He only missed one. Like, as much as I hate that he got the the title again, he only missed one. And to me, that one, the one he missed was the surprise. Which one, which one did he miss? The the Wardlow one? Uh, No, he missed Moxley Hangman. Oh, see, that wasn't a surprise to me at all. Well, because you had put Hangman, but I, I was convinced, like, this was like a, a match very much up uh up Moxley's Avenue. It is, but uh, I mean well, he he bled like in the first like minute. Like <laughs> uh yeah, I've I have a lot of thoughts on that match. Um let's just run I, it down. Let's just yeah, run it down because let's just let's starting just from the top it, and yeah. just bring, start it from the top, bring it down. 
Yep. Let's. Uh, just, I've let's got just my go. result sheet up here, and okay. we'll just we'll just bring it down as it <laughs> gave us. Now, uh, we will pause momentarily for the buy-in match, which was Ari Davari and the Varsities, which was Woods or Josh Woods and Tony Nese versus the Lucha Bros and uh, Mark Briscoe. Um, it, it was fun. It, it was, was a, a fun cool match. match. It, it was what a buy-in match should be. It's fun. Uh, Mark Briscoe's going back to doing redneck kung fu, which I always find very amusing. Um, mm-hmm. Lucha Bros did awesome Lucha Bros things. Um, Josh Woods had this one spot that um, <laughs> they were out of place. And it's yeah. not a spot where it's like, oh, you know, oh, man, he botched it. So what it is is he does like an explo- an, uh, a fisherman exploder, but he does it into the turnbuckle. But he was too far. So when he like threw Mark Briscoe, he just threw Mark Briscoe and there's nothing behind him to like kind of pat it. So he just like threw right. him and Mark Briscoe just like flies towards the turnbuckles, but just lands on the mat before the turnbuckle. So it's nothing that's like, oh, he messed it up, but it actually looked way more painful than like the normal move he does. Right. Um, but yeah, um, other than that, it was it, it was fun. One it was a good I, buy-in. If you watched it and you weren't sure and you were like, oh, this is what it's going to be, yeah, it would get you to, yeah. to keep going. I'll say this about the buy-in, and I found it very interesting, is so WWE, when they do their pre-shows, they have the little desk with people talking. But, like, if you're watching it, you can hear them. If if you're there in the mm-hmm. arena, you can kind of see the, the table, but you can't hear anything. The interesting thing is when they were doing their interviews, kind of like in the crowd, like WWE does, you could tell from watching the buy-in that the audio was going through the arena. So everyone right. in their seats could actually hear Renee interviewing Britt Baker, could actually like hear like any interview segment that was happening in the arena instead of like, oh, this is just for the people that are watching on pay-per-view. They actually did it where the people in the arena just waiting for the show to start can hear it as well. And I kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, because it, it makes it like, it makes it real because yeah. not say like, not saying that, uh, you know, WWE's isn't any, like anything like that. Like not making that more that like when, when you can hear, tell and hear like, uh, it's through the arena there's a level of authenticity that comes with it where you're like, oh, they're interviewing it, but this isn't just for TV. This is like a thing that's happening at the arena. Yeah. And we're just all like a part of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, uh, but yeah, no, I like that. Like I said, you could hear the echo. And at first it was jarring. Like, you know, you're watching on pay-per-view and like the sound kind of has an echo to it. And you're like, what the? And then like when you take a second, you're like, oh, they're going through the PA system. Okay, that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that people there can hear it. Kind of cool. But um, so anyway, it was great buy-in match. Yep. Um, show opens up um, and we get Chris Jericho versus absolute Ricky Starks. Uh, I'll say this with re- with with our favorite referee, with our favorite referee of all time, um, Aubrey Edwards. That's right. I'll say this, which I've noticed. Like, I think Aubrey has become Jericho's ref because uh, she's so oh good. yeah for sure. She's like, she's like doing every Jericho match now. She, she is like Jericho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll say this. I will one hundred percent say. I think Ricky Stark is super talented. I think on the mic, he's super fun and interesting. In the ring, everyone's already acting like he's the second coming of The Rock. I still think he has a lot of room to grow in the ring, for me personally, for what I like to see in the ring. (coughs) That being said, he delivered in this match. Um, (coughs) So did Jericho. I was expecting since they went first for them to let it go, and I figured they'd give Ricky Stark the win because the whole storyline is, you know, he wants, you know, he did all, all this to try to get Jericho to give him a rematch. And since he did all that, I figured they'd let him win the rematch. And this would kind of be his, you know, you, you, you get to take a step to the next level match. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought he really, really did a good job. I thought the match was way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, my only problem with Ricky Stark moving forward is he's got to get a new finisher. 
I'm sorry, that guy does not need to finish matches with a spear. He needs to find a new finisher. But uh, yeah, all in all, the match was way better than I thought it was going to be. Great job. Yeah, that's the big problem. The problem with spears is they look great, but everybody lo- like uses them as well, a uh, that, as a finisher. If it, you ha- for a spear to actually look good, you have to do one or two things. You need to be a big guy like Goldberg, or you need to make it look impactful when you hit the guy. You just have to like be able to spear the crap out of them. I don't want. I don't want to big up Goldberg in this day and age, but there isn't yeah. one thing that he did right. It was the spear. Like, it it looked powerful. Yeah. Yeah, but no, all in all, great match. Uh, good good way to get Ricky Stark to look better and good way. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jericho, once again, doing great work. Yeah. So what was the second um, match? I can't remember the order. Following that, we had the Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry final burial match. Yeah, the casket slash buried alive match. Yeah. That was, it, it was good. Uh, going, it, 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 what was it most interesting for me about that match was just what it was going to be because um, they've done a great job. Uh, of kind of keeping this feud going while Christian was injured, you know? And so it... It was one of those things to where he gets injured, you know, you have to uh, stretch everything out. You kind of have to give Jungle Boy feuds with a bunch of other people um, in order to get a, to be able to get us here. And then Jungle Boy gets a promo... Where he's like digging Christian's grave, and I'm like, "What? What are we doing?" And then they they call it a last burial match. I'm like, "Okay, is it buried oh, alive? Okay. Is it buried alive? Is it a casket? Like, what is it? You know? Because we didn't even no. know till like I said Wednesday that it was going to be the stipulation. And then to see that they had a a, a, a side of the stage set up kind of like buried alive. But with a casket there, it's like, okay, it's going to be a mm-hmm. casket match. But like Buried Alive, you have to take the person over, you know, to the hole that has a casket in it and uh, bury them. And yeah, this to me was the start. Like I said, the Jericho uh, Starks match was like, oh, okay, it's a lot better. But this to me was the start of this pay-per-view over-delivering. Because the match started off great. They fought around the ring. They fought in the crowd. They fought around, like, uh, Jack Perry's parents. Um, And then they fought over to uh, the coffin. They had, like, shovels. They had chairs. I think when they first opened the uh, the coffin, there was two chairs there. So Christian could try to do a concerto and stuff. And just the storytelling of, like, how much Jungle Boy wanted to end Christian. But then at the very end, he like hesitates for a second because it's like, this guy was my mentor. You know, he did teach me so much. He did do stuff for me, but it's like, but I can't forgive what he's done. And like jungle boy then pulls out with the win was spectacular. Just, just so, so, so good. Um, yeah. Like jungle boys, one of those guys to where it's like, yeah, this, this dude is, he's careening towards a singles title this year. I don't know when, but at some point this year, he is getting a singles title. For sure. And I I don't know, like the whole thing, just watching the highlights on my end, it looked fun. It looked brutal. Concertos when they're used properly, are effective still if they're not just like we got to do one like if they're, they're they're used properly then they're then they're effective um really good match appreciate that like they didn't feel the need to lead with uh championship matches like they got two of the three uh exhibition matches 
at the start, and they were good. Like they were good pay per view starters. Oh yeah, they don't. They were great. I will. I will say this before we go any further: is going into this pay per view, I felt that this was not the same excitement level of a normal AEW pay per view, and it felt to me like this was one of those hyped up dynamites. Um, yeah. You know, one of the special dynamites, but it's like, oh, but this one's going to last three to four hours. Um, but this pay per view to me delivered as much as as some of the mega hype AEW pay per views. It uh, it just it just did. I think almost every match on this card over exceeded what it needed to be. Oh, absolutely. Like there was, there was no <laughs> love WWE. There was no bathroom break match. Like they were just no. they were all bangers. No, and that was one of the things I was saying last week on the podcast was like with this pay per view. Like I said, I do agree with people with what like what I just said was it. This felt like an extended dynamite. But for all the negativity AEW gets about storylines, to me every match but two had a well-crafted few week few week to a month long story going to this every match except for two and even one of those two did have a storyline they just kind of had to get through something to get to it um yeah but yeah like i think a lot a lot of this is i I, i've said it before i'll say it again i think aw is is finally getting back on track from what happened uh, in September. Oh, for sure. Like there, there, this is the uptick. <clears throat> We've been on a, a downward, but this is definitely, uh, the, the uptick. Um, cause following that now I will say this, the ne- the following match was house of black versus the elite. Yes. This was not bad at all, but I will say this. Okay. Because of recent news, this was the one that didn't surprise me as much. So we're gonna have two things to talk about, and we'll start first. First, let's start about the match itself, then we'll get into there. Um, yeah, it was an awesome match. Um, great, great match. If the main event didn't over deliver, I would have said it was one of the two best matches, but it was at least one of the three best matches. Um. Here's the thing, though. I understand what you're saying about the recent news, but also on the flip side of that recent news. If the House of Black would have lost this match, I think the House of Black would have lost any momentum they've ever had, and they would be done. And the reason I say that is... Oh, no, for sure. Well, the House of Black here, like, for the last six months... House of Black is like, oh, they came out and beat up Death Triangle. Okay, we get to a match. They lose. <coughs> See, I'm getting all choked up. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, and it's like, oh, they beat up this person. And they're being doing spooky stuff to them. And they lose. And so <coughs> with them finally getting a title shot, it's like, to me, they needed to win this. Because if not, it's like, then what is the point? They're just the boogeyman. They're, they're, they're just the guy that hides in the shadows and looks creepy. But then whenever he picks a fight, always loses the fight. So it's like, no one's afraid of you, man. You're just, you're just hiding in shadows. No, one, no one's afraid of you. And so they needed to win. Now, I do get what you're saying. It's now with Kenny and the Bucks losing that belt. Now let all the speculation in the world begin. Because now Kenny is not an AEW champion. And supposedly we're looking at like, what, two, maybe a month or two left on his, I think a month or two left on his contract. So, yeah, yeah, let all speculation in the world begin. I will say this. I love Kenny. I love the Young Bucks. They missed the freaking biggest and what could have been my favorite all-time wrestling entrance. And they fumbled the freaking ball. The Bucks came out in like kites with tights with the California flag on them and they're like California Young Bucks shirt, right? 
but Kenny, yeah. Kenny came out in black, blue, and white wrestling ge- ge- gear, but he came out in a blue and white kind of kimono, like uh, almost like a ninja jacket, right? Yeah. And it was blue and white, which a blue kind of kimono ninja jacket with a white belt is exactly what one of the three ninjas wear. And the three ninjas was set in California. Yeah. What their entrance should have been is they each came out in. Did you have first? Let me ask. Have you ever seen the movie Three Ninjas? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Okay, okay, just make sure, dude. Okay, House of Black always comes out in these like creepy masks, right? Wearing three ninjas. Um, it was yellow, uh, blue, and uh, green. Um, karate gear. But at one point when they're training, they have these wooden ninja masks on. Why do you not come out in three ninjas gi, three ninjas mask, and make fun of the Dark Order's entrance while wearing three ninja gear? Like it was like the second Kenny came out and came out, I'm like, that looks like Rocky from Three Ninjas. Why the hell did they not do three ninjas? It's just, it's like, oh my god, such a missed opportunity. It could have been so freaking great. Yeah. But Alas, I mean, you know, Kenny has just WWE on the brain, so he's 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 dead. He's dead. To me. <laughs> Listen, Kenny can go to WWE now. I don't care. He's dead to me. He didn't do, he didn't do three. Look, well, he at least did the. He at least tried. The Young Bucks may be dead to me. They didn't do it at all. Look, save save it for next week. Um, no, my thing <laughs> is, is, that, uh, is that one of the topics that that one of them no. is dead to. You? Um, no, but it sounds like it should be. No, um, <laughs> I think the. Like, the match was great. Like, let's not put on any airs. The match was fantastic. Um, okay. I mean, it's the elite in this House of Black, you know. Like, yeah. Both of those are able to to put on a show. Yeah, great match, um, great ending. Like I said, top three matches. But of the I night. will say... Super. But I will say, with everything that was going into it, with the rumor mill and everything, that's why I was saying, like, this is the one that I was, like not as surprised by. See, um, like I said, the rumor didn't really affect me one way or the other with the outcome i thought it was more so that the house of black just needed the win to give them credibility because like i said kenny's not gone for a month or two and as we've seen with cody aw has no problem negotiating with somebody and having them be a champion while they're negotiating with them okay so i i i i didn't think they lost because kenny may be leaving i think they lost because you couldn't afford House of Black not to win because if House of Black didn't, oh win, no, you might as well. See, that's the thing. I, that's the thing. Both of them are valid. Like me saying, like, yes. oh, I thought that this was guaranteed because of the rumors, but at the same time, like, it was guaranteed because House of Black absolutely needed this win. Like, no doubt about it. So I'm not. When, just know that me saying, you know, well, of course, House of Black won. Not exclusively because of the Kenny stuff. Um, it, to me, it was a major factor in why I chose what I chose and ended up going with. Yeah. Um, now this that. next one, though, I was surprised by just because of everything that they had going into it, um, which was the triple threat hater Soho Soraya. I felt that they had been putting a lot into like this is finally Ruby's moment. This is finally Ruby's moment. So I was surprised, even though Hater has a good run going with her, I was surprised that not only did Hater win, but it was with a crucifix pin on Ruby. Okay, I will say this about that match. That match was fun. I hated the ending, and it wasn't because it was a crucifix pin. What happened in the match leading to the ending was a, was a Hater did a small package to Ruby. Ruby popped out, gets up, and then she does a crucifix and then pins her. I'm like, that just let that's what i'm saying like like that's what i'm saying like say what you will about small packages and how effective they are or aren't but if you're gonna do it do it don't do a small package and be like "Mm, okay maybe not that one and then basically do another small package like or just don't a different or don't make them back to back because the back to back feels weird because it's like okay you actually caught her off guard with the first one then while she's getting up, you do a different one, and she can't. Yeah, the implication. Yeah. The, the implication is she was, you know, able to kick out of the small package, but not this version of the small package. You yeah, know what I mean? I just, like, I just hated the back to back. I don't mind 
you giving it like you know oh, what it was? Something just came out. Of you know what it was? Way. What was that? It was a Roman. It was a Roman Reigns ending, where yeah. something that in the past had yeah. not worked and shouldn't have worked suddenly works. No, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Like um, I love Roman Reigns. His heel runs great, but like man, that is the biggest problem with him is a lot of his match endings, and this was kind of the same way, was where something that has not worked the entire match suddenly is like the killer, yeah. even given everything, though, that had just happened leading up. Yeah, so, so I uh, I like where that women's storyline is now. It it was, it very mud, it muddied through the waters to get here. Um, and at the well, I'll, let's say what happened in the match first for anyone who may not have seen. Um, uh, Jamie Hader won. Uh, Paige, uh, sorry, Soroya, and uh, uh, I'm blanking on names. Tony Storm get in the ring. Them Br- breakers start fighting. Ruby So is just sitting in the corner, like distraught. She gets up, she throws Paige out of the ring and says, uh, th- th- "This is our house." Talking about her hater and them. And then when she raises uh, Britt Baker and Hater's hand. She kicks, um, not Brit, she kicks Hater in the face. And then people beat up, and she's now with uh, Soroya and Tony Storm. And she broke a camera. And she broke a camera. That wasn't a real camera, but yeah. Shut up. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. It's kind of like, it's the same way when I see people like, oh, drop the mic. No. If, if you had any idea of what it takes to deal with mics, you would not drop the mic. <laughs> True. But so, like, I don't know, like, I get they were both vying for Ruby to be with them. Ruby's frustration pushed her over the edge to go with Soroya and Tony Storm. If you want to make yeah. this group feel really bad, I think what would have been interesting is if Hater had Ruby beat, right? Then, like, Soroya stops it. Soroya hits Hater with her finisher. Then she pauses for a second, and she pulls Ruby on top of Hater. One, two, three. Ruby's your new champion. Ruby wakes up. It's like, what? And then she's like, yeah, I helped you get what you wanted. They don't help you and stuff like that. And then have it look like she's going to turn a beat-up page in them, and then she turns on them and goes with them. But it can be like, oh, she went with them because... Like, they did what they said. They're, they're like, none of these women will listen to us. We have all this knowledge, and, like, no one listens uh, to us, we, and we're better than all y'all. And, like, they helped Ruby get a title. So it's like, yeah, we we actually, like, help. They don't and stuff like that, you know? And, like, just, like, that kind of bad guy twisting it of it's like, yes, it's true. They helped her, but they only helped her so she would be with them. So it's like they're still bad guys that just did a helpful thing to help manipulate someone, you know, I, I think something like that could have been better, but either, either way, Ruby's with them now. That's cool. Um, yeah. Moving forward. I'm interested to see where that storyline goes. Yep. It, it, it was a good match all around. Don't break cameras. Yep. Um, our last exhibition match, we got to hurry up or else we'll be here all day. Yep. Was, uh, Hangman Page versus John Moxley in a Texas death match. Okay, we're gonna be here a second. Um, this match was amazing. Um GCW aside. I was about to say, like because I understand GCW I don't understand. I've seen GCW death matches and they're crazy with light bulbs and stuff. I think mm-hmm. as far as mainstream wrestling, this was the craziest death match we've seen in a while. Um, oh yeah! Like Moxley brought out the fork, and I don't know if anyone knows this, but like when you're doing the forks, you kind of get your hand close to the end of it, so your hand hits before the things of the fork, so it looks like it's hurting more than it does. It slips out a little bit. Moxley yeah, slipped yeah, yeah. and straight up stabbed Hangman with the fork the first hit, and like yeah. blood from Hangman's forehead literally like squirted onto Moxley's chest. It was the gnarliest thing I've seen in a while. Moxley, uh, what else happened? Moxley, uh, curb stomped Hangman onto some bricks. Um, Hangman went head first, no hands blocking into a chair with barbed wire where you could see some of his hair hanging off the barbed wire if you paid attention in the background of the match. 
Um, yeah, it was brutal. It ended with Moxley getting a chain wrapped around his neck and getting hung until he tapped out. Um, yeah, it was. Brutal. I think not. And let me clarify it. Not that I did not like the match. The only thing I hate is when matches like this happen and they are great matches because then you have the inevitable nonsense people coming in going, Oh, is that all it takes? You know, in wrestling nowadays, oh, blood, you know, and everyone's like, Oh, it's the classic, blah, blah, blah. Look, okay, this was a feud that built and built and built and built and built. Both of these men are known for doing these types of matches, John Moxley especially. So the fact that it went to this kind of match and we had this kind of match was not a blood required is the only way that we can enjoy this. But like, this is the point they reached where like, we're going to finish this. If it means finishing each other, I would also argue that the people that are stuck on, Oh, AEW like has to have blood all too much blood. All there is is blood. All they think that's the only way people will pay attention to them. Guys. Go back to the territory days. The oh yeah, for the, sure. The Memphis territory was a lot of blood. Like whenever, like the term blood feud came from uh, the territory days when because a lot of the feuds, if it was a long-standing feud, yeah, the blow-off match, there's going to be a lot of blood. People are going to bleed, and it's just like this. What AEW is doing is nothing new. The only reason it's shocking is because WWE was PG for so long, and people that grew up just on the PG era didn't see much blood, if any. And so now this is shocking amounts of blood, you know? But uh-huh. I will say this. That was my – that may have been – that probably was my second favorite match of the night. But um, the only drawback to that match for me is this. They called it a Texas death match, which I've seen Texas death matches before, right? And yeah. they're usually like pinfall matches, right? So at one point in the match, like Moxley did a bunch of stuff to Hangman and Hangman was laid out and the ref started counting to 10. So I'm like, oh, so is this like a last man standing match? And then like Hangman did. Yeah. Oh, no. When they did, when they had a 10 count, I was like, wait a minute. So they did a 10 count like a last man standing match. And then the match ended with Mox tapping out or, or giving up or whatever to being choked. So my guess is their version, which wasn't explained very, but their version of a Texas death match is, which I have heard of this version somewhere. It's like basically anything but pinfall. They can submit, they can give up, they can be knocked out, uh, you know, where you can't reach a 10 count. So it's like, it's anything but pinfall, Um, which is fine. I just, I kind of wish the announcers would have conveyed that more to us. AEW is bad about that. No, no, you know, knocks to them. But like, let's not forget the the what was it the mimosa match or whatever the heck it was, where like yeah. the rules just kind of were free flow. Yeah, but I will say this: like, at least those rules they they just told you it was going to be a mimosa mayhem. But as the guys were coming to the ring, they then told you what the rules were. That was my thing: is like they just started well, going to ten. The, no, no the one problem said that was option. The problem was the way that they entered the match when John Moxley was coming down would have been exactly when you start going like, this is what this match is about. Oh, yeah, no, but exactly. They structured the match where like they interrupted it. So that's true. But you could, I, well, I guess you could have did it during Hangman's entrance, but Hangman got a new entrance, which is really cool. Um, right. And then you could have done it during Moxley's, but yeah. he came down and beat up Moxley yeah. mid entrance. Yeah, but still, like, you could have uh, said it like during, like, while they're beating each other up. You can give us that information. But anyway, but that's my only issue, really, is that other than that, I thought it was a great match with a great story. I actually think Hangman and Moxley's um, four matches has been my second favorite story in wrestling besides the bloodline um, with all of this to build Hangman up. And I, I think we're, we're I think this match is the beginning of building Hangman up once again back to him being the number one baby face in the company. Mm-hmm. Well, following that, like I said, we do have to move. Yeah, well, I knew I was uh, so we're not here all day. I love that match. Some of these other the ones. The following one was the one that I keep joking that we 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 blame the title loss on was Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. Yeah, it, it was an okay match. Uh, 
Can I tell you the one weird thing to me in the, the entire match? What's that? Uh, well, two, really. Uh, one, that uh, that Samoa lost to a sleeper hold, which is weird because Samoa is usually the submission no, 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 master. No, no, no. That, that was the whole thing. Before that, in the match, Samoa Joe was doing the symphony powerbombs to him. And then on the third yeah. powerbomb, he reversed it and he did uh, Samoa Joe's uh, Kimura lock to him. So Samoa Joe was trying to beat him with the powerbombs and then he beat Samoa Joe with the Kimura. Was it a Kimura or was it a body scissors? So it was a Kimura done very poorly. So it just looked like a sleeper with body scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it, I say, like, it was, was it, it was, truly a Kimura? Listen, did, did the announcer say it's a Kimura? Yes. Did did he probably intend to do a Kimura? Yep. Did he do a Kimura? Nope. Now, and another thing that I thought was weird, and I, I've seen it before, but every time it's like verbally vocalized, I'm like, what is uh, <clears throat> Wardlow hits people with the F10, and I feel like that's a direct shot at Brock, which, I mean, you should always make a direct shot at Brock. I don't, but it's still, it still is weird. Like, what makes it more, quote, powerful than what he does? Oh, because Brock does one spin, he does two. But that's just it. Like that's the re- that's the reason he named it the F ten. It's not a shot at Brock. It's that the F five is you hold the F five is and you do one rotation. He held the. But see, here's the thing: the F five is like a reference to like the largest tornado possible. Yeah. So you just mythologically make up something that's like a double super tornado. I mean, I, I don't think they they thought that much about it. I think it's like, oh, Brock holds you on your shoulder. <laughs> and spins your feet around to where your head is and lets you go. You actually spin him to where he does a full rotation before he hits the ground. That's one more rotation. What, what's what, That's two rotations. What's the double of five? Ten. It's an F10. I think that's all they thought about. I think it was just like, oh, it's two rotations. What's five plus five is ten. Okay, it's an F10. I guess, but it just it, it feels weird because... I get it. They like, got more grew, creative with the name. I I, I don't because it just sounds like because the F five is a reference to tornadoes. So when it's like a a, a double tornado, like what yeah. is that? What is even a double tornado? Like like a double and rainbow, then, but tornado. And then and then I grew up in like the Tony Hawk era. So like a rotation is like a, a in degrees, like seven twenty, ten eighty, like. So I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm overanalyzing it. But when I heard that, it when okay, I'll put it this way. When I heard that, I had the same reaction to it as when I hear the Miz claim he's like the, you know, only uh, what is it, uh, triple champ or whatever, triple crown champ. Yeah, but I mean, the F ten was. I had uh, that same reaction of like, no, no, stop that. Yeah, but the F ten was Wardlow's original finisher, so like he now does the powerbomb symphony, so he just busted out his old finisher. It it's weird. Uh, moving right along. This is the one where the disrespect happened. Uh, we had the guns versus Orangehausen. Oh. Or Dan Cassidy versus uh, the weird J&J team. Uh, it says it's weird. It makes sense to me. Well, it's weird that Jeff Jarrett went from like, oh, he's a cool legend spot to like, now he's like, in the title scene. I mean, if you think about it, like they'd be like if Hulk Hogan Darby, came back and I mean, they Hulk Hogan did come back and do stuff like that. He, he did that quite a lot. I just, I know he, he did stuff, but like, was he in the title picture? Yeah. Yeah. When was Hogan back with a new person in the title picture? Uh, when he came back to WWE and him and edge won the tag titles. Oh, yeah, that was, like, even still, like, mid-2000s. Yeah, but, like, you have to think, Hogan had left WWE, been like, oh, I'm going to do movies, then came back to WCW, did that run, then he's like, I'm out again, and then it was, like, his third time making a comeback. So, yeah, like, it was... It's just weird to me, because, like, Jeff Jarrett, Jarrett in the, the span of, like, a year, went from, like, a special appearance... At one uh, promotion to refereeing another special appearance at a promotion to now being in a like tag team like team. Well, it's because like, it's just it's a weird year for for the for J and J. 
I guess. I just Vince and J- Jared never really. I don't think Vince. Who, saw if you're a about lot to say never, I'm about to say who saw I I with Vince. Nobody. Well, I mean that and Jeff. Jarrett. Oh, by the way, the acclaimed were also in there. Like that uh, we're Jarrett. talking a lot about J and J, but that and Jeff the acclaimed Jarrett. were also in this match. That and Jeff Jared held Vince up for money. So uh, that that true. Happened. Um, but anyway, <laughs> true. Let us go back to Ultimate Warrior. Yes, I mean he did it as well. Uh, but anyway, anyway, whatever. Let's get back to this match. A uh, few things. Um, <laughs> Danhausen and Orange Cassidy both came out in black denim, which is a throwback to their yes. indie, which is a throwback to their indie tag team, and I freaking love it. Um, it throwback was, or not, it was still great because yep. it was like how how would you merge these two, and yep. that that's how you do it. Yep. And Danhausen with his glasses and everything, it was great. Also in the pre-show, Danhausen came out as Fat Homer in his uh, blue muumuu with pink flowers, which is amazing. Um, yes, everything about it was great. But anyway, so um, <clears throat> I love that they th- that they did that. <coughs> um, even though like that team didn't fit that match, but I get why because storyline wise, the uh, uh, best friends are hurt. Um, but uh, yeah, it was about what you thought think it would be. Uh, a back and forth match, fun spots. <clears throat> Danhausen had a fun spot with. Uh, um, why am I blanking on? Uh, as you say, Team J and J's two manager Sanjay. He had a fun spot with Sanjay where he like broke Sanjay's pencil and stuff. Um, yeah, it was good. <clears throat> the claim was doing acclaim stuff, um, but the gun show won, which I figured they would because why would you have brand new tag champions lose in a four way? Um, yeah, but after the match, I mean, I, I, I rooted, uh, I rooted against, but like, uh, cause I thought for sure, like the acclaimed had a, had a really fun run. I thought for sure, like that's who would finally, like they, they pull that trigger again. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they didn't because after the match, we got the real fun because not to say the match wasn't fun. It was a great match. But anyway, like I said, this whole pay-per-view over-delivered. I, I thought that that uh, four-way match was just going to be a bunch of fast high spots and will be, would be done in like maybe 10 minutes, and they actually had a, a good match. Um, yeah. But after the match, their new tag team champions, Renee walks into the ring with a mic, and the second I saw Renee come into the ring with Mike, I said out loud, holy crap, they're back. Um, and yeah, they start saying that they're the best tag team you know, no one else in AEW can touch them. And here hits that old familiar 80s music and FTR walks out and FTR is back. And FTR comes yep. in, beats them down. And uh, yeah, uh, it looks like we're setting up FTR and the guns again. Um, here's the thing is because we've... Which throws out my like, uh, <laughs> their mad, you know, theory from last week. Um, here's, here's the, here's the thing with FTR is normally I would still be like, well, um, their contract is up in April. They could ask them to come back and just, you know, put over the guns one more time as a credible tag team to help grow this young tag team. And and then, you know, we'll start to negotiate and they'll either leave or they'll stay or they won't. Here's the thing that makes me think that they have re-signed is... So they they have them come back not on a, a dynamite but at a pay per view with less than a month till their contract is quote unquote up right. So you're 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 bringing them back at a pay per view. I, yeah. I I I don't know about you, Ace, but if I'm running a wrestling promotion, I'm not bringing back somebody for just less than a month to have them if they're on their way out. Um, yeah, and then two. They come out that tunnel with brand new t-shirts. I have never seen a wrestling company ever be like, oh, here's, a, here's some new merch we're going to sell. Bye. Have fun at the other company. Like, that just doesn't happen. So them, have, them coming back at, not on Dynamite like I thought, but like at the pay-per-view um, and having new t-shirts for people to buy makes, makes me think that they, they have re-signed with AEW. I'm sure they have because, yeah, like 
I mean, there's al- there's already a rumor out there that uh, they have signed a long term contract, but it's all speculation. It's somebody's like, oh, we've heard that they may have signed a long term contract. You know, to me, people saw the same thing. I saw new T shirts came back at a pay per view, and they're like, oh, they resigned a long term contract. It's like you don't know what you're talking about. You're just assuming based on what you see. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, like I I actually, if come April. They are off of TV because they are renegotiating with AEW slash also negotiating with WWE. I will be shocked. I will be shocked if, you know, they're just not re-signed right now. Right. Uh, And I think that brings us to our main event, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. It was the American Dragon Brian Danielson versus a one Maxwell Jacob Friedman okay. Iron Man match. Well, it was an it was an hour long Iron Man match, so we have to talk about it for at least forty five minutes. So buckle up, kid. No, we're we're already in an hour. <laughs> uh, we already hit an hour. Oh, we're in overtime. Okay, um, Daniel. So first of all, let's go this uh, MJF entrance was awesome did you see any any uh videos from his yes. entrance? so good they play this music and people come out and like the the the, the devil mask he wore when he won uh the was it, uh, not, not the battle royal the face of the revolution ladder match or whatever it was um yeah and then like they all come out to this like creepy music and then they all start playing his theme on violins and then his actual theme hits, and they're still playing like along to his theme. Then he comes out in his normal gear with the devil mask. Uh, great entrance, really cool entrance. Um, then the match starts. So Iron Man matches. Um, the first one I ever saw was with two of my favorite wrestlers of all time: Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, WrestleMania twelve. The pro the, the thing. I love Iron Man matches because I, I'm, I'm a wrestling nerd, and I think to be able to watch a match that literally is a, ma- a wrestling match that's the length of a movie, basically, I think is awesome. Um, I know we can't do it all the time, but it's just awesome. Yeah. But the problem with them usually is, you know, you have two guys doing very physical activity for an hour, so there, there has to be lulls. There has to be cool-down moments so that the guys can – uh, one catch their breath to le- like not burn the audience out before you know before you hit thirty minutes. So it's like there's hills and valleys to these matches, and sometimes the problem is no matter how good you are, you hit a valley, and then you try to pick it up, but it's like you're still the, the you know the crowd has died down too much, or like yeah. your, your your actions have died down so much. That's like, yeah, you do a few big high spots, but you didn't actually get me back. You just did high spots. Um, right. They did a damn good job, man. Um, there was only one lull I can think of, like an actual lull in this match. Um, I saw someone say it, and I completely agree with it. I think this match was better than Sean and Brett's Iron Man match. Um, Danielson was on another level. MJF stepped up to that level. It was so good. And the storyline leading into this match and the storyline of the ending of this match was awesome because the whole storyline with, uh, with MJF saying like why he hates Danielson and stuff is he basically was saying like, you know, you got all these concussions, you have this family or whatever else. And like, you're stupid enough to like come out here and risk it all just for this. And like, you know, you don't even care that like your kids may not have a dad that can like walk them down the aisle and like, you know, stuff like this, because like you're going to cripple yourself and just, you know, break yourself for all of this. And it'll just be, you know, and just ruin your quality of life. And then they go to the uh, hour long draw and Danielson almost had him beat or well, he had him tap, but he tapped afterwards. Yeah. And they had to bring like an oxygen tank to uh, for Max and all this other stuff. And Tony Khan announces there must be a winner. We're in overtime until whoever gets the next pinfall. And so then at some point, MGF tries to cheat with the ring and the referee sees him. And they still go. MGF gets knocked out of the ring. There's an oxygen tank. Bryant goes to grab him. He hits him in the head with the oxygen tank, which we know all about Danielson's um, head injuries. 
and then he puts him in the label lock. So a submission on his arm, but also the head. And Danielson's like fighting, 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 and keeps trying to get out of it and can't get out of it, and finally taps. But it's like the story is like if you, you go back to the story and see what they're doing, the story is is like Danielson fought, 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 and then finally realized if I keep fighting, I am going to like this is going to injure me, and Max will be right. And so I need to tap for the betterment of my family. And yeah. I thought it was just a brilliant story. I I'll say this. I'll say this because I, I, I saw things on the internet. Um MJF cheated to win, right? Yeah. He's a bad guy. Bad guys are supposed That's to cheat does. to win. Um yeah. it's not a tired heel trope. It's a bad guy. If if MJF doesn't cheat to win, you know what's he, funny is I know exactly what you're yep, like if what MJF, you're referencing. If, if MJF does not cheat to win, then he is just a bad guy that's good at wrestling. And I'm just I'm just going to be honest here. Back in the day, the NWO was cool bad guys, right? And you have some bad guys yeah. that what you hate about them is the shit talk that they do. And then they just always win, right? And that's fine. But wrestling has been built on decades of the bad guy cheats, the good guy tries to win, but the bad guy's not actually as good as the good guy, so he has to cheat. So then when somebody finally beats him, it's that the bad guy tries to cheat but can't do it this time, right? The wrestler, the, 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 the face, the good guy, He's supposed to be a good wrestler. The heel yeah. is supposed to be a good bad guy. So the, the heel is supposed to make his opponent look like a good wrestler. But the problem is the heel cheats. So that the good wrestler can't wrestle when someone cheats. And I hate to tell y'all, anyone that thinks that... MJF cheating is a tired trope. Well, you're going to be in for a long ride, my friend, because MJF's going to have this title for a while. And if you're mad about this, guess what? You're supposed to be. That's what he wants. He wants this to be a tired trope that that uh, that annoys you. Why? Because then he annoys you. Then you boo him. Then you can't stand him. So then the next time somebody is in a big title match against him, you're going to watch because you're like, dude, just beat that guy. I can't stand him. Just somebody take the title off of him. And you will yeah. watch. And that's what they want. They want this to be tiresome. They want this to be annoying because then you will want someone to beat him. And then whenever somebody finally exactly. does beat him, even it, if it's your favorite wrestler or if it's just a guy that you're like, yeah, he's pretty good. When they beat him, now that's your boy. Why is that your boy? Because they took the title off the guy you couldn't stand. It is. Yeah, like it's it's the idea of like, look, heels got to do heel things. That way it's a bigger deal when they don't get it away with it. It is basic human psychology. If a bad guy is doing bad things or doing stuff that annoys you, do it more because then people will hate you. So that then when the good guy beats you, you like that good guy more because he beat the guy that annoyed you. It is basic human psychology. Yes. But, oh, okay. Um, I will get off my soapbox, but I want to ask you one thing. Did you see hmm. anything from the after press press conference? Uh, no, I did not. So MJF you know, came in. And did kind of like what he did last time. He just like starts talking to the media and yells at them. It's basically like he came straight in and went straight over to Meltzer and said, hey, Meltzer, who's the best wrestler in the world? Is it Danielson? Is it Moxley? Is it boy, you're Kenny? Are you still going to say it's Kenny? And like just like went on this whole like, you know, rant like he normally does, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> but the shot, the shot, he couldn't help himself but take a shot at CM Punk. He... Walked up to the stage, sat down, and apparently where he was, there was like this jar, this uh, plastic like container of pickles. And he sits down, just opens it, takes a bite, goes, "Oh my god, these are good! These are what type of pickles are these?" And he says like the 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 brand name and stuff, and then like ask one of the guys to come up here and like try one of these pickles and stuff. Exactly like yeah. how Punk was talking about how good those muffins were, you know? 
yeah, yeah. And he was just going on and on for like before they start asking questions about pickles and stuff like that. I'm just sitting there, I'm like, oh, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Max. You just you couldn't help yourself. We did not hit people. Yeah, I mean like because it was it was their well, this wasn't the first one back, right? Like this wasn't their first uh, uh, no, pay per view. Revolution, since Revolution was. Uh, I mean, not Revolution. A uh, Full Gear was the first one. Uh, the, the first press conference after that one was Revolution in yeah. November. But still, like, so it was. You know what? Uh, comedy equals tragedy. Times yes. like yes. time. A hundred percent. So they waited, and then they delivered, and it was like. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. It was a, uh, you know, it was just good. It was just good all around. It was it was a very <clears throat> very solid pay per view. Like I'll say this, as much as Elimination Chamber, I thought was a good pay per view. I think this start to finish was a better pay per view. Um, like it it just it it delivered for me in so many ways. And as you said, there was no bathroom match. Even the match that you thought was going to be a bathroom match wasn't. I mean, I guess Wardlow and Joe <laughs> was the weakest of the matches on the card, but yeah, uh, even that had some fun spots and like, wasn't a match that you, you know, technically were like, Oh, I don't care at all. You know? Yeah. 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 No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Fantastic. They review all around. It, it's hard, even with the controversy, the the all-out fallout controversy, <clears throat> it's hard ever stating that there is a weak uh, <coughs> pay-per-view for, out of AEW. Yeah, AEW is just one of those companies that, man, they, I don't want to say they don't miss, but it's hard to find a pay-per-view where you're like, the pay-per-view wasn't good. Or or a mm-hmm. pay per view where it's like eh there's these two matches and everything else was just okay like they deliver on pay per views they they really freak for sure out. for sure well Ace but, um, I think it's about do time what? to hit the old dusty trail it is it is uh, I wanted to add one more thing if oh. you've gotten this far in the podcast thank you so much for listening uh, there was in issue in our last uh podcast uh, yeah we did a boo-boo well, two two issues but i think uh the first one snuck by everyone uh but there was a major one that stayed up for a while and so i'd like to apologize for that um those of you who kind of are in the loop or in the up and up and aware of things uh i have a new computer and so i was setting everything up i thought this one was worked out properly but it didn't um and so uh, I will be double and triple checking it in the future. And, uh, you know, sorry if you missed out. The The episode should be fixed. Uh, go check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, tune in next week when we have uh, – we've been in the works for this a while. We're going to discuss – Controversies and conspiracies in wrestling. Who was Mr. USA? Did Vince McMahon actually fight God? All of this and more will be answered next week with a stacked roster of people. You don't want to miss it. Be sure to tune in to all of our socials at Quick Popcast for the direct Twitter and everyone's individuals. Mine is Ace of Spades Card. His is Jacob Eric Six. And then Ronchi Ron, if you want to go give him grief for being <clears throat> a lucky champion, uh, that's at I am Ronchi. <clears throat> so you can go definitely check him out as well. Uh, in the meantime, take it easy, stay safe, uh, and <clears throat> watch wrestling. I know it sounds weird to say that, you know, because we're wrestling podcast. We, we assume you watch wrestling. But when I say watch wrestling, watch all the wrestling. All the right. big two, the little three, and even the smaller stuff. Go to a local show uh, because then you'll really see some, some barbed wire uh, come out. You want to you see glass tubes? Go to a local wrestling show. I'm sure they've got it. 
In the meantime, I'm Ace Space Guard. He's Jacob Der- Jacob Derek Six, aka DJ Jazzy Jake, and we are out of here. Take care. Hey, so I have nothing interesting to say right now. Do you have anything interesting oh, to yeah. say? Hey, say something clever. We uh, have to be clever, really. Derek, expect something clever. Uh, did you know the African male koala? No one cares about that. Hey, think of something smart. Oh, um, um, in 1997, there was a run on the. And that's how we defeated the Germans. And that's how we defeated the. Make sure that you're following us on all of our social medias, including Twitter at Quick Pop Cast, Facebook at the Quick Pop Podcast, and Instagram as well at the Quick Pop Podcast. Any of those are great ways to reach out to the host of the show, and we'd love to talk to you as well. We are constantly speaking on current events and would love to hear your opinions on stuff too. So get in touch with us today. <laughs>